you buy a $50,000 property for $10,000, sell it for 30, make 20 grand. If you instead sell that same $50,000 property with seller financing, you can make as much as $70,000 on that same deal. Yep. Like, so how? We'll show that. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, hello, great state of Arizona and Azria family. Welcome to another episode of the Azria Show. And on today, naturally, I have my co-host, Mike Delpreet. Hello, hello. And today we're going to be talking about land and the land profit generator with Jack Bosch. So how are you doing today, Jack? I am doing fantastic. How are you guys? Great, great, great. So it's a great day here in Arizona. And Jack, I saw you pulled up, man. You didn't have the top down. You got the top up, but could have the top down. It's pretty hot up there, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's too hot right now. It's something like 95 degrees. So Is it? Like, oh, you know what? Yeah. I've been inside all day yeah. since early this morning. So. It's convertible time and summer here at night. Don't yeah, you? yeah, at so. night. There you go. So tell us, Jack, kind of, we're going to jump right in. How did you, tell us, what did you do pre-real estate? All right. So, I mean, as you can tell by my accent, I'm originally not from here. I'm originally from Germany. So I I grew up in Germany. I went to school, college there. I And then my last year of college, I decided to do an exchange program with an American university and get an American degree and improve my English, which was really bad back then. And and then I got a job here, I fell in love with a girl that's now my wife for actually over 21 years already. Awesome. And we decided she's not from here either. She's from Honduras, Central America. Okay. And so we decided to stay in the country if we can. And so we tried to get a job. I got a job and worked my way through getting the green card. So I was, a, I worked, I found a job like the only job that was offered to me was at the software company as kind of a business analyst and it was 100% okay. travel. So that's what I did before I got into real estate. I was having a job, going to customer sites for weeks and months at a time and sitting with user groups and analyzing what our software that this company had was supposed to do. I know nothing about software, so I, mm-hmm. I always felt like a little bit of a fraud there and trying to okay. bluff my way through. <laughs> and But it worked and, and I got promotions and stuff, but I just hated it. And that became the trigger to really look for something else. Okay. So, so how how did you start gra- gradually sparking the interest again in real estate? Was it do- like while you were working at this company? Yes. Well, we when you're traveling, I was traveling 100%. As I mentioned, I, I basically I left home at Monday mornings at 6 a.m. or so. Mm-hmm. Jumped into went to the airport. Lived in Chicago at the time. Jumped in the airport. Flew to Detroit or flew to Wisconsin or flew to wherever it was. Got a rental car, got into the office at like 10 in the morning and worked till 10 p.m. And yep. then got back to the hotel, ate some crappy hotel food. So whatever the bar still had, like, yep. and then uh, <coughs> gained like 15 pounds in six weeks or so, because <laughs> like, that's what's yeah. my And then, and then basically sit in my room and then, and, and for the first year, that was fun. You travel, you do things, but then it became really, really old very quickly. Mm-hmm. So at some point of time, we're like, hey, I'm sitting there in a hotel room, I have nothing to do at night. Let me just go start searching online. And luckily at that point, the internet was around already, yeah. right? So this is 20 years ago, but some people still had dial-up internet. But again, mm-hmm. the hotel started having internet. Yeah. Everyone started had internet. So, so I was online and I was just looking around, watching infomercials. And 
One day, an infomercial by Ron Legrand came up, and <laughs> and he was selling some sixty nine dollar program, and we bought it, and that's and then we and it was cassette tapes, and that introduced me to the language of real estate. Got it. Right? Okay. And then we bought some books. I went to Barnes and Nobles and bought, bought some books about again real estate one hundred and one and things like that and terminology. I, I still got them at home. And I, the other day, we actually looked like move kicked out some books out of the house, gave it to, to charity or so. And I found that original book and the stuff that I underlined is just amazing. Like I, I underlined that. the most yeah. basic real estate terms because I, I just had not even heard them. Like what is a deed? Right? Mm -hmm. What is seller financing? What is, I don't know, what is, what is a two by four? Like okay. what is drywall? Like all these different things. I had literally no idea about anything. So what sparked you though? So you're, you're in the hotel, nothing to do. Like, what was it about the commercial or Ron Legrand? Was it like the money? The was money. It the it lifestyle was, change? It was, was the money. It was the, the promise of being able to do something from home that makes mm -hmm. more in one check than I made probably in six months working. Okay. Yeah. Right? So I was like, okay, there's something to that. But we already had decided that we needed to do something. We're already like, I, I kind of, when you, when you go into an industry, especially in the technology in the world, and if you're in that industry for too long, it's really hard to switch gears into another industry. Yeah. Like you're a middle manager. I wasn't, but 10 years later, I would have been a middle manager of a technology company. And I wanted to, if I wanted to move into food industry, like who in the world you would take me? Yeah. Right? yeah. Who in the world would give me a job for that? Because it's a completely different mm -hmm. world. So I realized ahead of time, I realized that I'm being sucked into a kind of like swamp here, into this quicksand of this technology world that I first of all don't like, second don't understand, third just don't enjoy my life right. being, and and I need to get out of that as fast as I can. I need to do something else, and so I couldn't leave because we have we were on a H one B visa, which is that mm -hmm. sponsor visa, visa that okay. that is tied to your employer. So if I would have quit, I would have had thirty days to find or sixty days to find another job, or had I would have had to leave the country. Oh okay. man! So if That's I stressful. That's stressful. Yes. Yeah. If I would have been, if I would have been let go, I would have the same thing. Yeah. And that that job was 1999. So 1998, I got that job. In 2001 or to 1999, the dot com bubble burst. Or 2020. Mm -hmm. Now this that is a technology firm. So that firm went up to from five. I was employee around 500. Two years later, the company had 7,000 people, and wow. a year later, it had 4,000 people. Wow. So that was like a roller coaster. Right. And that's the other thing is like if we get laid off. We need to do something, something here. We need to, first of all, we need to double up. So we worked extra hard. Luckily, didn't get laid off. But we, we but but basically, we said, like, what, whatever we need to do, we need to find something that once that green card hits, once we have that permanent residency, at that point of time, I need to be able to pull the plug and be able to stand on my own two feet. It's great. Okay. So we need to create a plan B while plan A was still getting us the green card. Gotcha. So that plan B was real estate, correct? That plan was plan B. Well, it was all kinds of stuff. We looked at opening a bakery, right? Germany have has amazing bread, but how can you do a bakery if you're traveling 100%? Yeah, yeah. And on top of it, I'm not a morning person. I, okay. I just, well, that wouldn't work out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The bakeries at the grocery stores and everyone wants their bread in the shelves like at five in the morning. And, yep. and it's like, I like to turn around at five in the morning and sleep another three hours. <laughs> Make another three. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how? But it's the, the, the true story. I was trying to ask to join ARIA and I Googled if there's an ARIA here in Arizona. By that time, we were living in Phoenix. Okay. Tell us about your foray into real estate. How did you get started? Okay. So the first thing I did as I, 
I was told to join ARIA, and it's actually not because I'm here on this podcast, because my wife wanted to do a master's at the university here called Thunderbird mm -hmm. Credit School on the west side of town, now in downtown. Mm -hmm. And so we, we Googled, we looked around, and as RIA came out. Okay. So it's like, okay, let's become a member. So we became a member, and then the first meeting, the meeting came up. We went to the meeting because I luck, or my wife went to the meeting because I was traveling, and it turned out it was the first ASRIA meeting ever. Oh wow! It was the first ASRIA meeting ever. So we we're member number two. We we're a member, member number, yeah, we we're member number two and three of ASRIA back in the days when we had like these sequential number numbers. Awesome. I think it's a little uh -huh. different. So and then we. We just soaked in education. We went to the meetings as often as we could. Mm -hmm. We we learned about different ways of doing real estate. We tried to partner with people. We we tried the house flipping side first. Okay. But again, if you don't know how much it costs to replace a kitchen, because or how to replace a roof or repair a foundation or to do really anything, because we had absolutely we didn't have zero knowledge. We had negative one hundred knowledge. Okay. <laughs> because if you grow up in this country something breaks in your house your parents go get a plumber to fix, yeah, it, fix it and then they complain that the plumber charged them eight hundred dollars to fix it but at least that this cost eight hundred dollars right mm -hmm. right exactly if you've replaced the roof of your house and it costs you seven thousand dollars on a shingle roof like a tar shingle roof mm -hmm. then it costs seven thousand dollars i didn't we didn't have that benefit construction is completely different in germany Everything is completely different in Germany. So, and in Honduras, the same thing. It's a hurricane. Right. It's a country that gets hit by hurricanes a lot. So you build completely different. So we didn't have anything. So, so we did driving for dollars. We drove around. We were told somewhere, okay. somebody, I don't know who, but somebody told us, like, go drive around <laughs> and look at boarded up houses. So we did that. And we wrote out the addresses. I took a Friday off, went down to the county office and researched the address. And we found them and we sent them a letter. And... And surprise, one actually accepted it. And it was okay. in the Garfield district down in uh, close to downtown, yeah. which is coming up now, but that was not back then. then. Yeah. Not then. <laughs> not then. It was not coming up back then. Yeah. So we got this deal on a contract, the triplex for $46,000. And I have a visual of that thing in front of me right now. <laughs> now, with what I know now, they should have paid me to take that thing. Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> because we, but he wanted to accept it $46,000, but he needed everything, electric, foundation, plumbing roof i mean that thing was like a plaster kind of house okay. from the old old mm -hmm. days with like which complete night kitchen was like a freaking mess okay. uh, and uh, like it needed to be torn down and rebuilt right but we didn't know that mm -hmm. we were like hey forty six thousand dollars sounds like a good sounds deal to like me, a right? deal. <laughs> so we put it up on the on in, in the arizona newspaper like in arizona republic for a five thousand dollar markup got 28 phone calls nobody bought it so oh, then we get nervous yeah, we got freaking nervous. We got we freaked out and we backed yeah. out of the deal. The guy wasn't very happy, but he but he let us out and and, and it's all good. So we was like, okay, that's that's not for okay. Us. So you you were trying to wholesale it? Yeah, trying. Okay, to okay. It. So you okay. didn't buy it and take it down? No, no, no we didn't oh, buy it. So that's good luck. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, that would have been. I believe if we would have taken it down and tried to fix it up ourselves. I would not be sitting here today because I would have learned the lesson, a, a huge lesson yeah. would have cost me tens of thousands of dollars that I didn't have. It would have bankrupted me probably. And I would have, I would have never touched real estate Roasted ever again in my yeah. life. So it would have had a bad taste. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that because you're looking at a full gut job, right? right? And some, sometimes when well, you're, while being 100% traveling, yeah. while having no idea What's what is a good quote and what is a not bad quote. I mean, it was just a nightmare waiting to happen in that case. So what are some points or tips you can give to someone that's new, excited, they want to get that first deal under the belt, 
How, what, what, what did you learn from that scenario? Well, what I learned from it that particularly after we got into land flipping is that there's so many different ways of real estate and not every way is the right way for everyone to start with. Mm -hmm. Like now we have flipped houses. We are having, we, we just bought a house in Sedona, Arizona, and we're oh. doing a complete gut job and it's finished next month. And there are actually this month is finished. And we're putting $180,000 in that house without blinking an eye because now it's 20 years later. We own a portfolio of rental houses. We have rehabbed houses. We have flipped houses. We, we own over a thousand apartment units. We own, mm. we own all this kind of stuff. So now going in there, I know if a, if a, if a, if a contractor wants to screw me, right? I right. want there. It's like, oh, that's going to be 300,000. It's like, yeah, in your dream, right? right? right. Yeah. This kitchen costs five grand to this or this, the way we're going to create a kitchen costs 25. Okay. Because it's a place for us to right. have a weekend home mm -hmm. and as a high end Airbnb. But yeah, I know what flooring costs. I know what kitchen costs. I know what the bathroom costs. So we found a contractor. He, when he gave me his quote, it's like 100% reasonable. You got the job, yeah, right? You're educated now. Like, we're educated now. But so it doesn't mean that that the taking, doing a full gut job or fix and flip is not something that that anyone can do. Everyone mm -hmm. can do it. Yep. The timing was just wrong for mm -hmm. us because go. at the time I knew absolutely nothing about real estate and it just freaked the living daylights out of right. me. Right. It was the wrong property in the wrong neighborhood at the wrong time and and and. And with the wrong rehabber, right. because I didn't know about any, anything, how that works. Okay. But, but did we still make it happen? Yes. We just moved on to the next kind of real estate, tried that. Eh, didn't really succeed with it either, which was tax liens and tax deeds. Okay. okay. Uh, we wanted to buy, went down and bought some tax liens and they were redeemed three weeks later and we made $3 and 82 cents. You made a profit, huh? Uh, made a profit. But, <laughs> But we realized that in order to make a profit on tax liens, you either got to have a bunch of money because you got to buy those liens yeah. or you got to partner up with somebody who has a bunch of money and you got to have patience. Because yeah. if you have the tax lien, you can't just foreclose on it tomorrow. You got to wait those wait. Statu statutory three years before you can then foreclose on mm -hmm. it. And I didn't want to wait three years to make money. I, so then the next thing was tax deeds. Tax deed is Arizona is not a tax deed state, but California is. So we looked up some properties in California, went out there, attended auctions, and they were bid up to the roof very, very quickly. So we went there like with $5,000 because it was, what we found was a piece of land that had a minimum bid of 500 bucks. It was like, yes, we can buy, buy this. this. <laughs> I love it. You guys are trying anything. Yeah. We're trying yeah, anything. And then five minutes into the auction, it's up at $25,000. It's like, okay. Let's go back to Arizona. <laughs> Tape a tail between our legs. Let's go, go back to Arizona. At least go to the beach. No, no, it's not even that. that. So actually, I, my wife went alone because I was still traveling. You got it. So okay. we used some airline miles to fly her there and some air, some uh, some uh, car rental points to get her a car rental. Mm -hmm. And and she couldn't even find the properties, which is not on her because there wasn't even Google Maps around. There yeah. was like MapQuest, mm -hmm. printed out maps. You got into the vicinity. And then she attended the auction. It was all bid up like crazy. She's like, ah, nothing to get here. Came back home. Okay. Right? But that experience taught us something. We just started thinking about it. And what, we, what it taught us is that what blew our mind, again, coming from another country, not knowing how things work here or knowing how things work over there, what, it blew, our, what blew our mind is that the, the fact that people are actually letting go for their properties for nothing at a tax sale. Yeah. That's just like phew, mind yeah. blow emoji, right? Yeah. So so that ultimately led to us becoming successful because what we what we came up with is the thought is like, well, if these people have their properties coming up for auction in eight weeks from now or in three months from now, and they apparently don't want them anymore, 
why do we have to attend the auction? Why don't we send them a letter? Okay. So we started sending those direct mails to highly taxed delinquent owners, and we got people to call us back. And funny enough, everyone that called us back was land. Not a single homeowner mm. called us back, only landowners. Okay. It was like, what, what the next question is, what do we do now what with that stuff? Do with right? This, right? What are we going to do with land? Like, we're trying to fix houses here, right? right, right. <laughs> not build houses. <laughs> not build houses, <laughs> not buy a piece of land. And, 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 but from that, we developed then our method of just basically offer getting them for five to, or for, for 10 to 45 cents on a dollar and just wholesaling them. Okay. So we're now virtually wholesaling land and we've done 4,500 deals. Okay. And now we no longer focus on tax delinquent properties. That was just yes. the entry point because very quickly we realized that, 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 Tons and tons of people who just own their properties free and clear, owned it for decades. They just want to get rid of them too. Okay. And you pay them twenty cents on a dollar, and they're really like, "Yeah, take it." Right? Okay. So, so I'm sorry. How did you get educated in land? Because that's that's a, a specific niche, especially for somebody being new. Everybody knows fix and flip, wholesale, and rentals, but land is completely off the grid. So, how right. did you get educated in land? Well, that's the thing. Perhaps you're like the bumblebee, right? You know the story of the bumblebee? The bumblebee is uh, uh, like from physics, the bumblebee is not uh, not supposed to it's fly, fly, right? Because right? mm -hmm. the wings are not even big enough. But the bumblebee doesn't know that. So the bumblebee flies anyway. Right? <laughs> gotcha. Yes. So we refer to each other as sometimes, hey, we're just the bumblebee. We just started flying without knowing that we're not supposed to be flying, that we're, not suppo that we're supposed to know all these different things. We just simply figured if you can get a piece of land for 10 cents of its value, there's no only one way that one outcome of that that is you're making money gotcha so who cares how it's owned who cares i mean that's how we started mm -hmm. now we do care but the first deal we got a property up in northern arizona which is an acre lot next to a house across the street from a house that a guy went through a divorce must have been an ugly divorce and he was really kind of like a little bitter about life and he just wanted to to kind of move on so he wanted he moved to to colorado and he sold everything he had here the car the thing he took his dog probably it's like a country song right already okay, written, right. Written, right he moved away the only thing he had left in arizona was this lot and he just didn't want it either anymore so we offered him was worth like eight to ten thousand dollars we offered him 400 bucks for it and he's like yeah take it please thank you <laughs> okay right? awesome now if you have a residential lot that comparable lots like you go on on websites like Zillow and things like that, and you see that comparable lots in the area have sold for eight to ten thousand dollars, and you get it for four hundred bucks. You don't need to know much about land. Mm -hmm. Like I, we're not developing the land, we're not encumbering the land, we're not entitling the land. We're we're just flipping the land. Gotcha. So what we did is we went up there, put a sign on the property, sign on there. The neighbor comes across this like with his cowboy hat on. It's like, hey son, what are you doing? He's like, I'm selling the property. He's like, oh man, I always wanted to buy that property. And he's like, and he offered us $4,000 right there on the spot for a property we bought for $400. And we're like, yeah. Right. Take deal done. Deal done. <laughs> didn't even negotiate. Didn't even know to negotiate. <laughs> didn't even know how to negotiate. Right? Just took it and made 10x our money. And, and that was the beginning. And wow, then, that's great. Uh, and then, and so how much did we have to know about land? Really nothing. Nothing. Huh. nothing. Yeah. Okay. Go, going back to what you're saying, Marcus, like how'd you get into it and how'd you learn? And the Bumblebee story, I think that's an important part of real estate. You just got to be in the game, swinging the bat. And like when you're building momentum, good things happen. Right. Exactly I, right. You don't know what, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen, yeah. but 
if you if you pay attention, you can grab onto something. Right, so exactly that's right. Awesome. So great story. Yeah, and then two weeks later, next deal we made ten thousand dollars, and then boom, 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 and then in that year we made sixty three deals while still having a job, and wow. that paid off our debt, paid off our consumer debt, credit card debt, student debt, put the years worth of living expenses on our sideline, created five six thousand dollars in cash flow because we then started selling these properties with self financing. Where okay. you basically it's like we buy it for two thousand dollars and sell it for thirty thousand dollars and they want to give us four thousand dollars as a down payment. Yep. Like the math works on that. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm getting two, I'm paying two, you're giving me four. Means I have I have two in my pocket, even after closing costs, right. I still have a few hundred dollars in my pocket. And now you're paying me four hundred dollars a month for the next ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do that fifteen times, you got six thousand dollars a month. That's most most more than most people are making their right. in their jobs and and Boom, green card arrives. Right? They were like full, full bore now. Done. Bye-bye. And like we, we were nice about it. Since I was in consulting business, you work project based. So I went, I went to my boss and asked him to account if you can meet me in the conference room. He's like, hey, I need to resign. He's like, yeah, I figured so much because I was probably disconnected a little uh-huh. bit. Uh-huh. And it's like, how much longer do you need me to finish up the project? And he's like, Well, how about four weeks and we're done here? It's like, yeah. Because I'm not going anywhere. Right. I don't have another job lined up. Mm-hmm. Another two weeks are not going to kill mm-hmm. me while maintaining the relationship with with, right. the, with, with the, the people business. out there and and doing an, an honorable exit from the company right. that has given me the green card and allowed me to stay in this country. And now we're citizenship and a citizen and so on. So, so I'm forever grateful to this company. It was made my life so miserable that that. As a result, <laughs> we're now successful. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I love it. So let's take a brief break here. Word from our sponsors. When we come back, Jack, we're going to talk about more about land and how you scaled and started sure. going up. Okay. Are your real estate dreams on hold? With work, kids, everything else going on, time is limited. Most days you feel like the world's on your shoulders. You might even say to yourself, if I just had someone to lean on and push me in the right direction, I know things would happen quicker. Well, then you need to check out the Deal Finders Club, a community of investors eager to close more deals, sign more contracts, and just get ahead in life. The DFC provides weekly coaching, thriving online community, and all the education you need to be confident. DFC is your fastest path to closing more deals. To learn more, head over to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com. All right, guys, we are back with Jack Bosch, and Jack was telling us about his story on how he got started with land. So, Jack, kind of now, how did you how did you really start ramping up? Because you did the one deal, did the two deal, a couple of deals. How did you really start making some momentum with this? So that's a good question, because even though we went to college here we didn't know how to start a company we didn't know how to grow a company you you don't get taught in school how to become a good manager good leader good how to build business processes and stuff like that so how to build what we can now refer to as microprocesses mm-hmm. like was, really every business consists out of a whole bunch of microprocesses that help you scale and help yeah. you do a bunch of things so so we didn't know well luckily we are a team and in this case and we have lots of students now that we teach this that do this alone but we were a team of two so we kind of did the separation of forces michelle did some areas and still does and i do some areas and still do and but the first thing was just hustle full blown in like every night after work i still have a job right and after work or even sometimes doing work right mm-hmm. so when someone puts a position your laptop such that nobody can look over your shoulder mm-hmm. and then it's mm-hmm. like you're busy right but you're really 
really I'm really <laughs> doing like property research. I'm creating listings. I'm creating things. I'm 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 I'm, I'm scrubbing lists. I'm I'm doing stuff that I can do to help the business. And then from the hotel room, even though we're that tired at night, another one or two hours because once you're once you're once something works and once your your goal in life your your aspirations are so freaking big or that they become they become almost like non-negotiable so we saw we had we had a taste of success mm -hmm. we knew this is working now the question came okay how can we accelerate this how we can get to the finish line how can we create that life that we want to what we really wanted to is really have that life that that allows us to travel we love traveling plus my parents are in germany my brother's in germany a lot still to this day friends are in germany i have plenty okay. of friends here in the us right now but uh, my wife's mom is in germany her dad passed away when she was very young her cousins are in germany and then in honduras in honduras okay. right so we a lot of people when they immigrate into a country they kind of like let their dreams die. I mean, they also, they have no dreams and immigrants are the right. highest percentage of, 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 of millionaires in this country. Absolutely. And there's reasons for that, but because they come here with a hunger and they come here with really nothing to lose. And they come mm -hmm. here with, with like, I'll show you back over there that right. I can succeed. And all of these things are, are breed hunger and they're all, they're all important. But a lot of people, especially if they just take a job somewhere, over time, they just let their relationships overseas die. Mm -hmm. And we just put that on our, we put that as a non-negotiable item that we will not allow us for that to happen. I will maintain a relationship with Ships my parents. I will maintain a relationship with my brother. I will maintain a relationship with some friends. So, so we had, we created a lot of reasons why this is really important for us to do. And we stacked those reasons until it becomes, became such a tidal wave of motivation that no matter what happens to us, happened to us, no matter how tired we were at night from our regular job, we still put in the extra hour or two hours. And that's just pure yeah. hustle, right? Yeah. Yep. That's just pure hustle, hunger. And with that, we were able to do like 63 deals in our first year, just like just like mm -hmm. weekends, nights, whatever it takes, right? Get this done. But beyond that, we couldn't grow any further. Okay. But at that point, we had quit our jobs now. By deal 30 or 40, whereas we had enough deals and the green card was there, we quit. And then we and then January 1st of the next year, we hired our first two people. Okay. Now, we had a house up in Peoria, Arizona, our starter home. We mm -hmm. still own it. It's a rental now. Mm -hmm. and, and it has like this, this formal living room and family room kind of separation. You walk into the formal living room, then there's a wall, then there's a kitchen, then there's a family room. So we turned our formal living room, which was empty anyway. We had no furniture in there, uh -huh. right? Because with what money when we started, there's right, no money right. to buy furniture. We put office furniture in there, went to, went to Target, bought a bunch of desks, bought a phone system. And our first two employees literally came every morning driving to our driveway and they work from our living room. So let me ask you this, Jack, real quick. Before before we started talking about your employees and scaling, we, we glossed over spouses working together. How, yes. you, how you and yeah. Michelle work together because not everyone can do that. So right. how did you guys come to that to that baseline where you say, oh, this is something we want to do together? Oh, that's an entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the short answer is, if you luckily we're different from each other so every we clash with each other and she's latina she can clash let mm -hmm. me tell you right so we clash when we both trying to do the same thing because then two type a personalities going right. after each other and wanting to do that the moment we work very well together is if she does one role i do the other role 
And by the way, those roles have completely changed over the years. Okay. At the beginning, I was in charge of marketing and she was in, 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 in marketing out to the sellers and marketing to the buyers. Mm -hmm. right? And I was in charge of that. And Michelle was, was in charge of actually getting the deals in. She basically, she was, our, she was in charge of, of sending offers out, of working with the title companies, of all this kind of more details. And that's very typical in relationship. Often the woman gets put into the role of like, yeah, you do the paperwork. Right. right. Well, I think there should be more thought behind that. Mm -hmm. of like, Whose re, who's real skill is it? Now, right. I'm not the detail-oriented person, so Michelle is. So it was for us, it was a perfect match, right? Now that we have a team in place, now actually our roles have completely convert, converted. She is the CEO of the company. She's an amazing visionary. And you know what? I recognize that. So she is my boss, which is anyway, is my wife anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but Jim in business, she is, she is really the visionary of the company. She's absolutely amazing to seeing where should our business go? What do we need to reach next? Where, where, we can, where, where can we expand into and so on? And I am leading the team on the day-to-day -day implementation. Okay. So, so it's like it completely reversed to what it was before because our natural, as the company grow, she, we don't need her to do, or uh, like we have now somebody in the team that does works with the title companies. Gotcha. Uh, the, we elevated ourselves, and as we saw that, we saw that she's she's much better in this than I am, and I'm actually quite good at this and at people management and so on. So, so we just we just shifted our roles, and and as long as and, and that's a secret to think that to I think to our success together is that we're both treating our marriage as a true equals. And we're and I have no problem having her as my CEO because she's just amazing. That's excellent. That's, That's excellent. What, what another thing I like, you guys recognize that really quickly. We think where'd you like second year in the business, you knew you had the ambition to, to grow, but to take that leap and hire two people, right? You yeah. know, a lot of I think newer investors and people trying to figure out the business that that don't achieve 30, 40, 50 deals in their first year and have that experience i like how you guys well we, we had made like about half a million dollars so it was like hey worst case scenario it doesn't work out but if, sure. if those if those if these two guys can can take care of this part of the business we should be able to do much more and indeed we did 150 deals the second year wow and and then we actually discovered and 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 we no longer well we're actually looking into starting this again right now but then actually we discovered that we were hitting up a ceiling of like 150, 200 deals. We couldn't do more than that. And we wanted to do much more than that. So what we then did is we started actually putting up live auctions. Okay. And so for just a couple of years, we did that. We did about six or seven of those. We would buy 250 properties a quarter. So basically three months, every three months, three to four months, we would buy 250 properties and we would put up a big live auction in the Phoenix Convention Center and Mesa mm -hmm. Convention Center and different places and sell all 250 properties in one day. Oh, wow. And just bring like bring wow. 800 investors in, do telephone, radio, newspaper advertising, send 50,000 postcards out there, literally invest like 200 grand in the, the event, have 100 people work for us that day in different capacities, realtors that sign contracts and, and runners and bid assistants and auctioneers, flying the best auctioneer in the country and sell 250 properties in one day and did that do that three times a year and for a couple of years until the market turned on us right okay and then when the market went down we realized that this no longer works because now you had to spend three hundred thousand dollars and you only had 300 people coming in right you would still make money on the deals but it wasn't making financial sense anymore which is actually a blessing in disguise because if you buy through 250 properties in three months how much income do you have in those three months zero zero 
right? And then you sell them all in one day and you make like $3 million, which is great. Thanks. But, well, yeah, sure. But love <laughs> is also with self financing and so on. Okay. So, so cash flow then starts piling, piling, up, up, piling right. up, which is good, which helps in the other periods. But a much more sustainable model is to sell, sell two properties a day, right? Or sell five properties a day or whatever number it is. So when the market crashed, we actually transitioned, we, we, we immediately switched over to online sales. And because of that, we were then actually able to have a replicable model because now we sell properties on eBay, we sell properties on Craigslist, we sell properties on Zillow, we sell properties on Facebook Marketplace. And almost all of these platforms, with the exception of a few like eBay, are, are free. Mm -hmm. So now it costs us nothing, nothing to sell a property yeah. Yeah. and we can sell as many as we want to every day. And once we reach that point, that's when we also decided, you know what, we need to share this because with the world, because at that point of time, there was blood in the streets. Everyone, every, every, every person before, like all these house flippers were driving up with their Ferrari and they're handing back the keys now from their Ferraris. They were losing because the market was collapsing, yet land flipping didn't stop. We just ended up mm. buying it cheaper, selling it cheaper. Instead of buying it for five thousand, selling it for thirty thousand dollars, we would buy it for two thousand, selling it for fifteen. Our margins are smaller. Instead of making twenty-five, you make twelve. Right. But that's still yeah. a good margin. Mm -hmm. so what are some of the common buyers in the world? Like, what do you right. notice they buy this cheap land for? Assuming no utilities, sure. yeah. tie-ins. Yeah. Like, what what does that person look like? So we have four different buyers, really. Okay. But the nice part is just to finish that thought okay. is that is that with that we have a replicatable model. Mm. Anyone, not everyone, can go and put two hundred grand into an auction and then bring a hundred people in and and then sell two hundred fifty right. properties in a day. Right? That's that's a heavy lift. Yep. But everyone can take a property that put on a contract for thirty five cents on a dollar and put it up on, e on 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 Craigslist or on on Zillow and sell it for sixty five cents on a dollar. And because mm -hmm. of that, we now can we, we now have students all over the world that are doing this from their comfort of their home and there. But now the question is to the buyers. So it depends on which kind of property you focus on. We focus on three kinds of properties. Property number one is a infill lot. Mm -hmm. So the infill mm -hmm. lots, just like everywhere, they're in demand by the buyer for that is the builder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Buyer for that is also a house flipper that can't get enough houses because competition is so hard that they're going, they're buying now lots and building houses. Mm -hmm. They're building, doing ground up. A lot of house flippers are doing this right now. And the third kind of buyer for that kind of property is, is what we call a financial buyer. Somebody, particularly if it's an up and coming area, they buy the lot, they just do, they don't even go mm -hmm. visit it. They just pay for it, take money off the stock market, wait for it. And as that area gets better and better and better and prices go higher and higher and higher, they might double, triple, quadruple the value of their property. And then they sell it 10 years later. And that's like land banking. Yep. Right? That's like land banking. Mm -hmm. right, right. Okay. So those are these for this kind of property. The second kind of property we focus on is in the path of growth. So in the outskirts of town. Now, if it's very close to the, to the last development, it's the same buyers, right? right. Developers on because they're ready to develop another, do another mm -hmm. subdivision. If it's a little bit further out, like if it's a five, 10, sometimes depending on the size of the metro area, 30, 40 miles outside of town, like in Atlanta, Georgia, if you're 40 miles outside of, you're still in the vicinity still, yeah. of, of Atlanta, right? You can be here at 300, 400th Avenue in Phoenix and you're still within the vicinity of, of, the, of, of the city. So if you're, if you're out there that way, then our buyers are two kinds of buyers. One is what we call the, the retiree, Future retiree. Unfortunately, there's an unfortunate statistic in the U.S. that says that I don't have the exact numbers, but it's well over 50 percent of the people that are over 50 years old to have have literally zero savings. 
So mm -hmm. uh, it's very, very sad, but it's a reality. So if you have zero savings and the average one bedroom apartment in Phoenix goes for $1,800 or goes for $1,350 in rent, and you're going to make $2,000 in social security, how, right. how in the world Can't will you live. be able to live here once you retire? It's, it's almost mm -hmm. impossible. Well, those in their 50s, usually in their mid 50s, they realize that, that they have a problem with that. So what they do is they buy a land 20 miles outside, piece of land 20 miles outside, and not so much in Arizona because it's such a desert out there, but mm -hmm. in other areas, like you do that in Georgia, mm -hmm. you do that in Texas, you do that in, 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 in Colorado and so on, where it's nice and green and lush and so on. And there's a lot of little villages and things like that around. You buy yourself a piece of land out there somewhere, like 10, 10, 20, 20, 30 miles outside of town, and that is worth, let's say, $50,000. We got on a contract for $15,000. We sell it for $30,000 to them. They get a smoking deal. We make 15 grand. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, or we sell it for, we get it for, for 10 and it's worth 50 and we sell it for 50 to them. We're self-financing. They give us 10 down. So again, we have our okay. money back. They make $500 a month payment, which while they're in their 50s and have a job, they can, they do. can do that. And then by the time they retire, they have the, they they have paid that thing off. Now they put a mobile home on there, mm -hmm. right, which you buy used somewhere, and they have a free and clear lot with a free and clear mobile home, and they have a dignified yeah, retirement. They can live. Right? That's awesome. So that's that's one where the as the other kind of property, the other buyer is actually one that has put land flipping on fire for the last two and a half years, and that buyer is what we call the COVID buyer. So the COVID buyer is the buyer that is usually an affluent, middle-aged, younger to middle-aged family that does not want to live in the city, that would love to live on like five acres outside of town and build that dream home and have a horse and have a cow and have some yeah. goats and have five, five dogs and, and things like that. But because before COVID, they had to go to the office go to every the day, office, yeah. they couldn't do it. And now... There has been the work from home world has completely revolutionized. While a lot of businesses ask their people to come back to work, a lot are not. Right, right. Like, so about, I, I estimate about a third of the workforce will be able to do either hoteling, which means that they only have to show up in the office like twice a week, mm -hmm. or they can 100% work remotely from, where, uh, from, from wherever they want to be. Well, that opens up the dream of living where you yeah, want to live absolutely. and work where you want to work for millions of Americans. And they're buying land like you've never seen before. And that's gonna mm. stay here for a while. Wow. Yeah. So, so they're buying land there. They're going out there, it's like, yeah, let me buy. And, and let me buy some five acres out there and let me put up, let me build a, buy, a beautiful house mm -hmm. out there and, and move there with the kids. And, and if I need to go into town to the office, it's now instead of a 20 minute commute, it's now an hour commute, but I only do it once a week. Once a week, right. That's amazing. Right. That's cool. Are, are that here to stay? They're here to stay. Awesome. Yeah, they're here to stay, right? Because they love it. And then the last kind of pro property has typically one kind of buyer. The last kind of, well, it's two or three really, but the last kind of property is the large acreage in the rural areas. Now we're in Arizona. What mm -hmm. do Arizonans do in the summer and the weekends? <laughs> stay inside. <laughs> <laughs> they stay inside. Or what do the outdoors people go? Go high north. north. They go north. north. Yeah. They go up north, right? Flagstaff, uh, 78 degrees in summer, right? Yeah. Sedona, 90 degrees in summer and cool mornings and things like that. There is tons of land up there that that is chopped up into 5, 10, 20, 40 acre parcels. And you look at Friday afternoon on the I-17 on the way north, it's a beeline of 
hundred thousand dollar RVs, hundred thousand dollar ATV, uh, like tens of thousands of dollars ATV, big fat F three fifty trucks with a trailer yeah. and dirt bike and quad and razor and things like that. That stuff is expensive, mm -hmm. right? Like affluent people that drive up north and go to an RV park, even though they hate it, and what they really want is their own 20 oh, acres. Yeah. They want to have their own mini ranch. Take five of their friends. Each of them brings their RV, brings their things, mm -hmm. hang out there, dirt bike, horse around, right? Go shooting, go bow and arrow shooting, go hunting, do all this stuff, have a base up there. And it's these outdoor recreational people. Gotcha. They got money, they, they, they're they ready to buy, and this is a dream come true for them. So you just we just sell to those. Okay, that's okay. great, great, awesome. great. All right, so you talk about how you got started. You talk about your niche, what you're doing now. How are you teaching other people to do what you're doing, Jack? Well, so we have, well, I'm coming to Azria to yeah. teach it, right? Mm -hmm. so I'm coming okay. to Azria in August, so I'm super excited about that. We have a lot of Azria, successful Azria students already. So, so yeah, we, we do have, we teach them exactly our steps. We teach them exactly our steps. We're having a live event coming up on October. We're having, we teach through home study course, coaching, live events. We have different kind of things. We started in 2008, so we're 14 months in, 14 years doing this already. We have really perfected that. We have students from, just talked to a student from Germany who is doing this remotely from Germany because wow. it's 100% virtual. You don't have to go see the land. Right. Like Dirt right. looks like dirt. Dirt looks like <laughs> dirt, right? You have Google Maps, Google Street View, aerial yeah. pictures, all the stuff. I mean, Michelle and I, in the sure. first few years, we we went and looked every weekend. We would come back from my trip, even having a job, we would jump in an SUV and and drive up there and look at all these properties to make sure that we're not buying anything crappy. We haven't done that since 2006 anymore. We haven't looked at a single property we own or flipped that since for 14 years right now, wow. or 16 years, sorry, it's 16 amazing. years, right? So it's complete virtual model. As a result, we now have students. We, I talked to one student that sits in Germany. He's on track to do $4 million in profits this year. And he comes now, during COVID, he wasn't even able to come. And he started that right when COVID started. The week COVID, everything shut down, he started doing land flipping. And so he did a few hundred thousand dollars the first year. And, and, and now he's approaching, he's finalizing his second year. He's going to make about $490,000 in, or he did make $490,000 in May alone. In May mm. alone, May of 2022. It's like, wow. it's crazy. And, and, and. And so how we teach this, we have, we have classes, we have coaches, we have coaching, we have, we have sessions, we have Facebook groups, we have, we just go all animal on our students because we believe that, that the way to success is done by human intervention and by accountability. Like, even though this is way simpler than anything else and than most other methods in real estate, people still stumble. People still mm -hmm. have questions. You come across a deal, the deal falls apart. How do you fix it? And so on. So we have, we have, a, we are now a team of 60 people. In our coaching side of things, we're just all committed to our student success. Okay. Wow. So, so if you have a pen and paper, notepad, Jack's going to be with us here at Ezria, August eighth. It's a Monday night at our Phoenix monthly meeting. That's going to be at Venue eighty six hundred. Then you're going to come with us down to Tucson to the mm -hmm. Tucson Association of Realtors. It's August 9th, Tuesday night, and then we're going to do a drill down, right? And we said Wednesday, right? Wednesday night. Yes. All right. So on Wednesday, what are you going to talk about at the drill down? At the drill down, we're going particularly into the power of self-financing because That's literally, right. if you do a wholesale deal, you make good, great money, right? You buy a $50,000 property for $10,000, sell it for 30, make 20 grand. If you instead sell that same $50,000 property with self-financing, you can make as much as $70,000 on that same deal. Yep. 
Like, so how? We'll show that on Wednesday. So, yeah, so I should go back a little bit. August 8th and 9th, we're going to talk how to get into virtual land flipping. Virtual land right. flipping. Right. Wednesday, seller financing. Yep. Then we're going to invite everyone to hang out with us on Saturday, which is August 13th, mm-hmm. probably here at the office or at venue 8600. What are we going to learn then? Well, I'm going to take the exact steps. There's a six-step process to make this happen. And I'm okay. going to go walk exactly through those steps. So dive a little deeper. In, de- in, in deeper and exact detail of how it works with unlimited q and I mean, after having done 4,500 deals, I can pretty much answer most questions, I would think. And 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 we are completely open. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there for any question you guys want to ask. And I'm here for anyone of the audience wants to ask. And more than anything, I'm just going to lay out the exact steps in a logical way and make sure that everyone understands just how powerful this, this solution is. I'm excited. So yeah, so if you're listening, when this comes out, keep an eye out on our calendar on azria.org. We'll have updated information on times and location. So that's amazing, man. I'm excited. Awesome. Anything on your side, Marcus? No. Well, Jack, man, thank you so much. You gave us a lot of education, a lot of information on today. So you guys make sure you follow the Azria calendar. Go to eight azria.org that's azria.org look for the calendar link and make sure you're at jack's event because land flipping is really really a big deal so it is awesome jack any how do we get hold of you how do people find you well you can simply go to our website i mean mm-hmm. landprofitfund.com you can go there you can go a fund with fun you can go to our facebook group land profit generator real estate investing group but uh, more than anything just just we'll probably put something on Ezria, right yeah to find us and, and just go go to Ezria. awesome okay. love it all right jack appreciate you being here man awesome thank you guys thank for you having so me. much guys you know what to do move at the speed of instructions there you go so get out there you got the instructions make things happen we at the Azria show we love to have you guys here and we love our loyal listeners so once again have a great day and we will see you in person thanks for listening to the Azria show with your hosts marcus maloney and mike delpreet we hope you enjoyed this episode if you found this information valuable Head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.